Hi everyone and welcome. In this episode I'm going to be giving my reaction to yesterday's rather strange inside Xbox stream with next-gen footage, apparently anyway. Uh, plus I'm going to talk about a couple of really hard games I've been playing recently um, and my thoughts on difficulty um, which have spawned from that. Anyway, on with the show. <laughs> Hello friends and welcome to episode 9 of the Gameplay Pod. My name as always is Giles Nicholson. I am Giles Went West on Twitter, Xbox Live and PlayStation Network. And uh, it's a bank holiday here in the UK. It's a glorious day outside, but uh, I am still here for you. Partly because time is now meaningless with all the days sort of blurring into one um, in whatever it is, week seven or eight or something like that of the UK lockdown. So I hope everyone is keeping well, enjoying themselves as best you can, uh, particularly through gaming. And uh, yeah, let's get on with quite a busy show. So starting off with some news because yesterday Microsoft graced us with the first of a monthly series of live streams that they've got planned for the summer, uh, which they're calling I think Xbox 2020 or maybe X 2020. Uh, I need to double check. Let's go with Xbox 2020. Um, covering obviously for the fact that there's no E3 and now no Gamescom I think since uh, certainly since I last um, recorded. So, you know, those big temple events of the gaming calendar are now no longer there. And I think we've seen every uh, publisher trying to come up with a sort of sensible way to get their messages out. And this is Microsoft. So uh, they took over Xbox, uh, inside Xbox stream yesterday, uh, sort of afternoon time in the UK. I think it was 9am Pacific over in the US. Um, and yeah, it was quite heavily trailed now. It's interesting there. Microsoft did try, I think, to temper expectations. I mean, they were very clear there were no first-party games uh, going to be shown yesterday. Um, but they did, I think, a very good job of hyping the show in terms of uh, next-gen gameplay. Uh, I think that was the uh, precise wording that they uh, talked about, that we would see next-gen gameplay. And, um, you know, first look. And I think Obviously, they delivered on that, uh, technically. Um, but yeah, I think for me, this was the first real big miss of Microsoft's um, communication around Series X because uh, certainly my reaction, and uh, it seems to be quite a quite a common reaction to yesterday's show, is, is feeling uh, distinctly underwhelmed, I would say. Um, that's not to say it was a, a terrible, uh, you know, there's nothing to talk about and a terrible reveal, but I think really the hype got away with them um, yesterday. Uh, and no doubt there's more to come. I mean, particularly they've talked about the July um, event being the one where they show first party games. Uh, that's obviously going to be a really, really big show for them. Um, and then in June, it'll be really interesting what they do. They've been suspiciously quiet, which might mean uh, we get something more on the console itself. Um, but it also kind of lies up with uh, IGN's planned, I think they're called Summer of Gaming events, um, at which Microsoft and Xbox will be present. So, yeah, I wonder if uh, they just didn't talk about June because it's going to kind of fold into that that bigger event. Um, so let's get on with what did happen yesterday and again why I thought that this was kind of a misfire from Microsoft. Okay, so as I said, I mean it was pitched as a um, first look at gameplay and I think the the first thing, and there's been some interesting sort of chat since the show about what you know, what do we actually mean by gameplay footage these days? Because certainly for me, and, and I think for a lot of commentators uh, on the stream and, and since over the last 24 hours, you know, this a lot of what we saw wasn't really gameplay. I mean, I think some of the games were, were showing... Um, exactly what you would see while playing, possibly without the presence of a HUD. I mean, um, 
there was a, a crazy uh, sort of shooter melee driving. Oh my god, I don't really know what it was. Um, but that opened the show called uh, Bright Memory Infinite, uh, and that you know very much looked like gameplay footage, or at least was sort of gameplay perspective. Um, now I think part of this uh, stems from a problem that you know the consoles themselves are still uh, no doubt the the software anyway the sort of firmware in them is surely still being sort of fine tuned so they can't really present gameplay because it's it's still all still all an approximation based on um, expected specs and dev kits. Um, but yeah, I mean that was the best case from yesterday. In addition, I think we saw a lot of stuff which was described as in-engine footage um, and, you know, representative of, of gameplay quality. But I think, um, I don't know if it's just maybe a little bit of sort of weariness from being burnt so many times um, before, um, but I think gamers, including myself, are very, very suspicious of this sort of, um, this sort of presentation. You know, the, the fact that you've you really could be seeing anything. It could be entirely pre-rendered, obviously, you know, with that sort of um, disclaimer on the screen. It's it's sound, you know, you have to take people for face value that it is in-game in -game engine, but um, that definition can still hide a lot of, uh, a lot of nuance. So I think genuinely I felt somewhat underwhelmed by a lot of this uh, reveal and part of that was I think a, a suspicion conscious or subconscious that you know this wasn't what we were seeing wasn't necessarily what we would be playing um, in hopefully six months or so's time. Um, I think another reason why some other people were, were disappointed with the show yesterday um, came down to the games themselves and what was revealed. Now, for me, um, that was much less of a problem. So, you know, I think my uh, my problem with the show yesterday was very much uh, of a in terms of managing expectations, I, I was expecting to see, you know, gameplay demos, seeing what we'd actually be playing um, down the line in the uh, autumn winter, um, but instead, I think what we, you know, what we got was was um, much more kind of um, much less sort of tangible, much less grounded, and and much harder for you to judge if that was uh, truly what we were going to be playing. In terms of the games themselves, as I say, my reaction was I think much more positive than quite a few others. I mean, Assassin's Creed Valhalla was the game that we knew was going to be shown. Uh, it's obviously a massive game from Ubisoft. Uh, we knew there was going to be nothing from first party. Uh, obviously, you know, people always uh, still have a slight uh, hope, I think, rather than expectation there might be a surprise. But again, no reason really to criticise for, for that because Microsoft did make it clear up in advance. Um, but I think people were were hoping for some of the bigger third-party games, you know, uh, all the way up to to maybe some cyberpunk information. And I think, um, again, it was interesting in terms of how Microsoft positioned this. I think they potentially were their own worst enemy, really, in um, allowing people to, you know, to speculate. People are really hungry for information at the moment. And I think that that uh, probably uh, played into to people's disappointment. Um, when what was revealed was really a, a lot of games from from sort of smaller studios, um, and you know maybe slightly less, um, you know less AAA and and maybe more sort of your double A's and your indies. So I think that was partly um, what caused uh, some some of the rest of the pushback. So what we did get was uh, 13 um, new games uh, coming to uh, Xbox Series X uh, and many of them also coming to the Xbox One family of consoles and PC as well. Um, you know, the, the sort of uh, strategy from Microsoft is very much to um, try and release certainly their own titles but encourage release of other titles across the whole family of devices and um, you know we saw a lot of that play through. I think there were only a couple of titles uh, shown yesterday that will be um, won't, won't be available 
on the Xbox One family, um, and I think if I'm right, that's uh, the Medium and Scorn. Um, neither of those, I think, are coming to Xbox One X, certainly according to the uh, information that I saw yesterday. Um, but yeah, in terms of the, the games themselves, 13 titles, um, 10 of which, uh, interestingly, um, took advantage of smart delivery, or maybe an equivalent in the case of uh, of Madden, which uh, I thought was interesting. The way it was described was, was not quite the same as smart delivery um, from Xbox, so we'll see about that one. But um, yeah, so very much... Um, talking and, and kind of playing to this strategy, this idea that um, actually a lot of these games, you know, you might find that what you do is you buy them, uh, if you're an existing Xbox One owner or Xbox One X owner, you buy them and play them on your current console um, and then you move to upgrade uh, either at launch or, or potentially further down the line and you'll get the enhancements or the enhanced versions delivered to you. Um, so I thought that was interesting and, and again something to come back to in terms of what yesterday did well and, and really the, the indications of what is coming from, from the next-gen systems. Um, the games themselves I thought was uh I thought it was quite a mixed bag. Um I thought visually, as I said, it was it was hard to tell really, um both um in terms of the sort of fidelity of of, of how similar what we saw would uh, equate to the actual experience we'll um experience, for want of a better word, um in uh at launch. Um but also what's interesting I think it was quite hard to really see the uh the, the big step up from the current generation. Um, and so I saw a, a really good tweet on this by Jen, uh, Jen Simpkins, who's editor of Edge uh, magazine, uh, who um, I think uh, really kind of spoke to what I was feeling, which uh, Jen was saying, and she's uh, clearly got a bit more information than just seeing the stream yesterday, but she said, from what I know so far, the real benefits of next-gen won't be as obvious to players as they have with previous generations. It's more about how it will push the industry forward. And a little tease that you can read more about that soon. Um, so, you know, if you don't know Edge, it's a very industry-skewed, um, quite a serious magazine for, for gaming. Um, and so that um, clearly would sort of play into um, Edge's sort of strength, the main interest. Um, but I think that... I think that was evident from the stream, you know, uh, in terms of certainly from just seeing a, a video stream of, of the game, not massive, um, there wasn't a lot there necessarily that you, um, that I felt couldn't be done on the current consoles. Now, um, I saw some other really good uh, talk around this yesterday, um, saying that things like high frame rates, which have such a big impact on the gameplay experience, you wouldn't see, uh, and you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't really, uh, well, you wouldn't feel, and so therefore you wouldn't be able to really value um, just by watching a stream. So that's going to be a really interesting challenge for uh, for Microsoft and probably for Sony as well in terms of getting across um, just the difference between, especially when there's a, a kind of current gen and next gen version of the same uh, the same title. Um, so yeah, in terms of how things actually looked, I think. Uh, as I said, these games are um, not, not they didn't blow me away, uh, with a couple of exceptions. I thought there were a few really impressive things about the stream. So let me talk quickly about those 13 games. Uh, my thoughts, and broadly, um, that sort of, they fall into two categories for me. Um, one uh, group of games that I was really intrigued by and wanted to know more uh, for various reasons. And a couple of others that uh, that sort of passed me by a little bit. So uh, let's break those down now. So yeah, in terms of games that caught my attention, I mean, I think everyone must have been um, impressed by Bright Memory Infinite. Um, and if they weren't impressed by how it looked, I mean, it was chosen to open the show, which is uh, always, uh, you know, it's always interesting to, to sort of see... Um, which things a company chooses to, to showcase. You know, uh, back a few years ago when Sony spent so much time talking about No Man's Sky uh, or showing No Man's Sky at their 
conference that was a huge sort of show of faith in a very small team um but it really i think said a lot about um sony's uh interest in in pushing um smaller team uh smaller games uh or games from smaller teams i should say because that game is massive uh, but also you know pushing more interesting ideas and it was uh clearly something i think that microsoft were were very um conscious of when they chose um, Bright Memory Infinite to open the show. Now if you weren't impressed by how it looked, and I think it looked fantastic, so um, I think you're a very tough crowd, um, you must surely have been impressed to hear that it was developed by one person. I mean that, that, that just blows me away. Uh, I mean I have no uh, knowledge about game development whatsoever, but uh, I can only imagine how much work must go into creating something that good looking um you know and seemingly with quite a, a large scope as well um just with one person at the helm um incredible achievement uh even if it turns out to be um nowhere near sort of living up to that kind of promise that we saw today um and i suspect you know things things compromises and, and kind of uh, trade-offs have to happen if you're if you've got one person making a game so I'm sure it won't be a you know it won't be a triple-a kind of level uh, massive game uh, it must be either shorter or or have some uh, eccentricities and it sounds like the story is uh, is absolutely bonkers but yeah in terms of a, a marker to lay down it was uh, it really got my attention um, the other games that stood out for me, certainly in positive ways, uh, The Medium by Blooper, Blooper Team. Uh, I really enjoyed, um, what did I play? I haven't played Layer of Fear. I played Observer, uh, which I didn't finish, but um, really interesting, really kind of uh, moody and atmospheric game. Um, yeah, had a lot of ideas going on and uh, did a couple of things really interesting and well with the with the sort of playing with the idea of the game and with the narrative. So um, that's a team who I think are, are worth watching. And I think um, then playing and completing Blair Witch, which I did uh, through Game Pass, um, you know, Blair Witch uh, definitely had its uh, technical issues and, and in many ways, I think, um, you know, it was the definition of a of a sort of six or a seven type of game. Um, and I don't really mean that as an insult, you know, it, it just, it felt to me like with a bit more time or a bit more money, um, then it could have been something really special. Now, uh, I don't think it would have been, and I think that's sort of the point, that these, these, uh, these games sometimes they they kind of hit their level um, but it feels like medium the medium um could really uh, see the team kind of doubling down on what they did well um, but it just it just struck me and again it's only through a video um it struck me as a much more much slicker and much more um significant um offering uh, than their previous games and it really felt like I think there's a real progression that you can see through uh, Layer of Fear, Observer, uh, Blair Witch and now The Medium. It feels to me like The Medium is really um, that team's kind of big push uh, and uh, it could be one to watch. I was getting real uh, Remedy vibes um, from that game uh, and they are working with, I should have checked, why did I not check his name before starting this pod? Um, but uh, I'm sure someone will be screaming out at me. Uh, they're working with a, a legendary uh, soundtrack designer who, uh, who designed the soundtrack to, uh, or composed the soundtrack to Silent Hill 2 um, and I think all of the Silent Hill games. So yeah, if you want a creepy soundtrack, um, they have got their man. And uh, that one, to me anyway, was probably the um, my most anticipated game from the show. Uh, just quickly rattling through a couple of others uh, that I thought looked good. I think Call of the Sea, um, you know, I think Xbox has lots of uh, more sort of stylized and cartoony looking games uh, available, particularly through Game Pass. And I'm I'm a fan of those. Uh, I do think uh, the sort of portfolio is lacking in terms of more kind of gritty 
realistic aesthetic and, and maybe darker games so uh, I could see why people might um, kind of gloss over this one but um, yeah I think it was the IGN stream after um, after the reveal uh, where the guys were talking about it and they referenced you know I thought they nailed it exactly you know gave me kind of elements of the witness of rhyme which I really liked it's a really peaceful uh, kind of puzzle exploring puzzles on an island type game a bit like the witness but in a, a very different way um and yeah and they also uh, name checked firewatch which again if you played uh, i loved that game i thought it was really really interesting really good had a lovely um, atmosphere about it really enjoyed the setting and the story and the the pace of it which i'm sure wasn't to everyone's taste but um so for those reasons call of the sea uh jumped out at me and uh, apparently that's on Game Pass and will be coming into Xbox One X so, and um, Xbox One so I will get to play that even if I don't upgrade which is great um, and then two more games that I thought looked uh, looked really good uh, Vampire, The Masquerade, Bloodlines 2 I mean I hate them already for their title um, but a really really creepy trailer um, with a uh, family kind of strung up and uh, uh, is it eviscerated? Probably not. Well, they've just been—it's uh, just their faces, but you know, mutilated certainly, and into these contorted smiles, uh, sort of set up like puppets. If you haven't seen it, it's really, really creepy. Um, and then the game itself—you know—I played Vampire recently. I think I talked about it last um, last podcast, and I really enjoyed it. I mean, it looks—you know—just that kind of. Uh, there's a real. Uh, there is a real intrigue, I think, around um, that sort of vampire story. Um, and whereas um, Vampire was set in the uh, in the sort of Spanish flu epidemic in the 1918, um, and so you know, very historical historical London. Um, this game looks uh, really, really good, and um, yeah, again, piqued my interest. I like the style. I think it's an intriguing kind of subject matter and society. You know, vampire society. If you think of uh, definitely more sort of interview with a vampire um, and th that sort of genre, rather than um, your more sort of uh, horror or uh, Twilighty type stuff. So. Um, really uh, jumped out again at me and I think that was one that they were clearly um, clearly very proud of. Uh, lastly on my standouts list was Scorn uh, which uh, stood out for I think very obvious reasons to anyone who saw that stream. Um, I'm a big fan of the Aliens um, series of, of films and uh yeah let's talk about isolation later um but i love the sort of geiger um icky uh, sort of body horror um it's just something really unsettling about that design and um my word did that trailer leverage right into that um you know it just uh looks like a really horrible world to explore um you know, me and my friend were talking fairly recently about um, there's a section in Hellblade uh, towards the end where uh, you're essentially kind of making your way through this weird kind of mutilated sex swamp, I think we called it, um, which uh, is as grim as it sounds. And, you know, you've got these sort of decaying bodies kind of writhing around and, um, you know, that gave me flashbacks to something like Dante's Inferno, which was, you know, all kinds of uh, all kinds of gross in that area, um, and yeah, Scorn kind of felt like it was going full throttle for those um, boxes. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, I wouldn't say I'm desperate to play it, and it's one of the two titles, as I say, that um, sounds like it's only coming to next generation, so wouldn't be available on Xbox One. Certainly that was the uh, information I saw yesterday. Um, so, you know, I might not get to play it anyway, but it's coming to Game Pass. Um, so if you do upgrade, and, and if I upgrade, or when I upgrade, um, I would be definitely interested to check it out although uh yeah i'm not saying it's uh it's my pick from the show by any means 
And so in addition, there were, I think we've covered one, two, three, four, five games. So there's plenty more. Um, Chorus uh, didn't really jump out at me. It's not to say that there's anything wrong with it. Just uh, I couldn't tell you about that game. Uh, I couldn't tell you a few things about that game. I think it was looked a bit dissenty in terms of uh, in terms of a sort of uh, space combat type um, gameplay. But um, yeah, it didn't just you know seem fine. I need to know more. Same with Dirt 5. Uh, I really like my driving games. I've been really spoiled. I think I think we all have if we're playing on Xbox with the Forza series and the Forza Horizon series in particular. Um, so Dirt 5 looked great. Uh, again, it'll be interesting to see what the actual gameplay looks like. Um, and, you know, Codemasters have got a great um, uh, legacy uh, a great caliber no what's the word I'm looking for oh come on shout it out at me people um, but they have got the chops really and uh, yeah they, you can't argue with their track records so um, Codemasters are um, they know their stuff and uh, Dirt 5 I'm sure will be a great game but um, again you know the fifth game in a, in a long running series and uh, I think when it comes to driving, again, it's it's going to be all about the feel. Um, Madden, I thought, um, was a particularly uh, uneventful reveal. Uh, we got some very, very limited uh, in-engine footage. Uh, I refuse to call that gameplay because uh, there's no way you could play with that, uh, that camera view uh, for any length of time. But, uh, you know, certainly sort of based on other EA Sports game, that might be a might be a sort of in-game replay of, of a play. I could see that happening. And if that was the case, didn't massively excite me. But then, uh, you know, American football's not my thing. Um, Scarlet Nexus looked interesting. You know, again, not necessarily my bag, but um, I love the sort of blend of the anime and the sort of more gritty realistic. So that looked pretty cool. Uh, didn't really uh, make a huge impression on me though. Second Extinction, Again, just, you know, I kind of got my fill of these uh, kind of co-op shooters at the moment. Um, I'm sure if you're squatting up with a group of friends, that would be a good game to play, but uh, not necessarily my jam. And The Ascent, you know, I think, uh, again, IGN, I think, described it as a kind of um, Diablo uh, meets sort of cyberpunk, or uh, they maybe didn't say cyberpunk, but that kind of aesthetic. Um, and again, looked really good, you know, looked kind of cool probably not my thing um so that leaves us with two left so yakuza uh yakuza what was it about the dragon like a dragon yakuza like a dragon um i haven't played any of the yakuza games yet and i do want to uh i know kiwami and uh the first no zero and kiwami are on the uh Game Pass at the moment, so I'm really going to dive into those. Um, it looked fun, but again, it was that in particular was one of the games that just felt to me like it 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 really looked like a current gen game uh, available on next gen. So um, it was. I think it's quite important because you know the Yakuza games, although they've started to come to Xbox, they've never been there uh, at launch parity with uh, PlayStation. And I think particularly, you know, as, a, as an old school Sega fan, I'm really pleased to see that it will come at launch. Um, but the game itself, uh, I just thought was, you know, looked fine. Uh, and then last and definitely least for me was the Assassin's Creed Valhalla uh, gameplay reveal. What do they say? First look gameplay of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Um, and it just wasn't. Um, I think, you know, whether this is on Ubisoft or this is on Microsoft, um, particularly because we'd had the five hour painting uh, previous week, followed by the, the sort of uh, official trailer. Um, this was such a damp squib. Um, and I think this partly then... Um, explains why people's reaction to the show as a whole was so down because the one thing we knew was coming or we thought we knew was coming um was gameplay from a big triple a title um that people were excited about so uh, to have 
what felt really like almost a recut trailer um, from before with what was apparently gameplay footage uh, in there, about a minute of it, I'm told, um, but just felt like a total bait and switch. Um, I mean, if you'd have told me it was uh, pre-render or if you'd have told me that was a, a cutscene, I would totally believe you. If you told me it was gameplay, I would, uh, I would be very skeptical. Uh, and certainly, you know, I think the failure to manage that message on Assassin's Creed Valhalla was the big reason why yesterday fell flat. Um, I've seen very little chat about yesterday's show from uh, people. Um, who are slightly less into following everything than I am. Uh, and I think yesterday was a real shame for Microsoft anyway, because they had a real, it felt like they were going to really put a flag in the sand yesterday. Uh, and it's just not how it turned out. So again, I'm not here to, to kind of say it was a, a huge, huge flop or a big miss from Microsoft. I think it was uh, another underwhelming next-gen reveal in a period of time where there have been far too many of those. I mean, mostly, I think, coming from Sony. Um, but, you know, the current circumstances, I'm sure, had something to do with it. But I think um, it just shows that it's really, really important to manage your message. And I think, whereas my impression was Microsoft really on top of this and doing very well in terms of... Um, kind of getting information out to gamers. Um, yeah, as I say, yesterday's Inside Xbox I thought was a real dud. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what comes in June with IGN's uh, Summer of Gaming. I'm sure there'll be some really interesting stuff coming out of that. Hopefully we'll see some actual gameplay with, you know, like-for-like -like gameplay that you would see as you're playing the game. I mean, that seems to me like the right definition anyway. I don't know about you guys. Um, but yeah, uh, otherwise it looks like uh, on the Microsoft side anyway, we're going to need to wait until July until we see those uh, exclusives, uh, Microsoft exclusives coded specifically um, for Xbox Series X. Although remember, they will all be available on the current gen. So um, it'll be really interesting to see both how that possibly limits what they can do and also how they market it, because presumably we're going to only see Series X uh, footage at those events, um, which is uh, going to be interesting to compare that to what those of us still on the current gen consoles in uh, come launch, uh, what we experience ourselves. So, um, yeah, PlayStation now have an opportunity, which uh, I felt like they were really in danger of, of missing the boat and being outflanked by Microsoft's uh, uh, strategy in terms of communication. Um, and I think now, especially the rumours were that in May or June there would be a big PlayStation blowout. Uh, it feels like it's uh, very, very overdue. Uh, but if they do show gameplay uh, during that session, as well as uh, the hardware, um, then, you know, maybe Sony's uh, sort of uh, more patient approach, maybe that will pay off and it would, I think, allow them to uh, really, really take over some of the um, some of the kind of mindshare from, uh, from Microsoft that, who've been doing so well these last few months. So moving on, the other thing I wanted to talk about today, uh, obviously uh, tend to talk about what I've been playing recently, um, and I, not deliberately at all, but uh, have been sort of theming my games recently, um, and so I wanted to talk about two games that I've been playing, uh, those are um, very different, but with a common thread, um, and that comes down to difficulty, so there's a Wolfenstein 2, uh, The New Order, uh, no, the new Colossus, sorry, and uh, Alien Isolation, um, not exactly brand new games by any means, particularly Alien Isolation, I mean it's taken me an absolute age to get to that one, um, but both had me uh, thinking really, uh, reflecting on uh, the idea of difficulty in games. Um, and so I wanted to uh, fairly quickly just cover my experience with both of those. So Wolfenstein 2, first of all, I mean, first up, it 
is one hard game, uh, in my opinion. Uh, now I'm not the greatest, uh, not the greatest gamer in the world, and I'm quite happy with that. Uh, I've been playing since God, well, thirty years or so, um, and shooters uh, less time. Uh, probably going back to going back to Goldeneye, so maybe uh, yeah. Over 20 years still, but I've never been very competitive and not played, uh, you know, not really thrown myself into any of them uh, in terms of getting good. Um, so, you know, I just enjoy the, the sort of action side of it and particularly uh, as a kind of palate cleanser between the sorts of games I tend to play and tend to enjoy, which are more sort of story driven, uh, often slightly slower place, slower paced games um so yeah beating up wolfenstein i played the first one or the you know the first one of the new series uh played that fairly recently as well through game pass i really really enjoyed it so i played that on normal uh difficulty or whatever the whatever the definition of normal is for these games because they have quite a fun uh difficulty selection screen as you're probably aware of they they kind of uh they kind of mock you for your choices so we'll come to that in a second um but yeah played through the first one i found it pretty tough but satisfying um just that right level of challenge for me uh and really really enjoyed it uh obviously it is not a serious game by any means and uh, the sequel uh absolutely doubles down on that i mean uh more than doubles down actually it's uh absolutely batshit crazy game um but the thing it also does uh, for me anyway um what i was looking for from the game uh was a kind of mindless escape from um what are obviously quite sort of stressful and weird and and uncomfortable times in the real world um so the idea of kind of mowing down zombies and fighting off you know uh cat monkeys and possessed you know possessed robotic arms and uh giant fire breathing mechanized railroad dogs that all sounded perfect you know that's not uh however bad things get in the real world that is not uh what i'm faced with on a day-to-day -day basis and i i really fancied uh just uh you know going a bit wild on those um so yeah beating up in normal again i was really really uh frustrated um with the opening couple of sequences um again you know not proud of it uh or rather not uh ashamed of it but uh i had a uh, pretty hard time getting through even the first few uh, areas or certainly once you've got out of the kind of familiarize yourself with the control section um, and to a point where it just wasn't fun um, I was really really surprised like for a game that clearly you know it was a power fantasy for uh, almost well certainly it's not a superhero by any means but you certainly got the powers you know a guy who uh, is absolutely larger than life and is there to kind of um yeah be turned up to not just 11 but 12 13 14 um this guy uh main protagonist uh bj uh is uh blaskovitz is um yeah, it just the, the experience just wasn't there for me. I mean, what I didn't want to do, and, and again, maybe it's maybe it's me. I'm quite happy to uh, accept it if it is, but uh, certainly going online and looking at other people's experience, um, it was just getting in the way of the fun. You know, I did not. I wanted to be mowing down enemies. I did not want to be uh, reloading and and kind of uh, conserving ammo and and sort of strategizing to get past even fairly um, sort of generic uh, uh, enemies uh, throughout the, the early levels. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of put it on pause and thought, okay, this isn't going to be for me. It's not what I was looking for right now. Uh, and also just um, with so many great games to choose from through my backlog, through Game Pass, uh, through things like Games with Gold and PlayStation Plus, I've got a great selection of things to play. So it, it just, you know, my life's too short uh, to be um, forcing myself through that. 
Um, so anyway, I went online and uh, kind of, first of all, was reassured to see that other people had found the game incredibly tough as well. So that was good. It's always nice to feel less of an idiot. Um, but also I saw this brilliant article, um, and I'm sorry I don't have the reference. Uh, there's a couple of them that were saying a similar thing, which were talking about really um, that playing on easy was the way to play Wolfenstein 2 say so, uh you know this should not be a, a taboo this should not be a, a radical suggestion but it really was for me anyway i sort of looked at it and thought oh, i don't know it's not really i've never i don't think i've ever uh dialed difficulty down that much in a game you know i feel like if the designers have designed it hard then that's the way to play it uh and usually um there's satisfaction in uh you know getting through games like that i mean i grew up in uh i grew up on some some really tough games where games were much smaller but also much harder so they you know you were used to dying repeatedly over and over and um you know i've just uh i've just finished some some really difficult games i think uh in the last few months so i know that my skills are there but um yeah i i was quite against the idea initially of, of dialing things back and then I read this article which was talking about just like I've said you know when you think about what the game's supposed to be then playing on uh, on easy actually fits much better with the story and the sort of tone of the game um, than having to to fight your way through so you know for anyone who who still had that kind of dumb action movie uh, b-movie C movie, D movie, Z movie experience that clearly the the story was telling. If you could do that on one of the harder difficulties, more credit to you. If you played the really hard difficulty, and I, I think there's a, a difficulty called Mein uh, Lieben, which uh, I think you have to play through the whole game without losing a life. That just i mean someone's done it because i could see on the achievement that it had been it had been achieved so i mean fair play to that person you are an absolute masochist uh, or you know a ninja because uh i there's i'm not sure i'd have completed the game on normal to be honest um but yeah i played through on easy and i had a blast i really enjoyed it um, and that's the thing about the game for me and, and something that's really uh, kind of made me think a lot about difficulty in gaming. You know, I wanted to finish that game. Uh, I'm glad I did. I also wanted a, what I was really looking for was a, was an escape and a, a dumb uh, action experience. And that's exactly what it gave me. And what I lost by stepping down, uh, there, were th there were some things. I mean, for me, I... Uh, there were sections definitely where I felt like I was far too strong, uh, or rather it was far too tempting for me to be extremely casual and careless and, and kind of um, not take any, uh, you know, not, not put any strategy into getting through an area because I knew that I could just spam my way through it. Um, so there were those sections and to some extent, you know, would I have preferred uh, to have a bit more of a sense of satisfaction through some of those sections? Yeah, for sure. Um, but that said, I would not have traded it for um, more frustration. I would not have traded it for uh, extending my uh, my playtime through that game. Um, and I, you know, it didn't feel inconsequential. You know, I, I still, uh, there were still fights where I felt like I had to, um, or chose to, a combination of having to and choosing to um, throw in some tactics, mixing up how I went about things, taking advantage of the uh, environments, everything else. Um, and so, yeah, for, uh, for a relatively small sacrifice, I think uh, playing Wolfenstein on easy uh, was one of the best gaming decisions I have ever made. Uh, and I will not hesitate again, I think, um, choosing those options. And like I said, it, it made me think a lot about difficulty in games. And now I've read more widely on the subject, clearly this is not something novel to me. Um, whether it comes down to accessibility, so that um, you know more people of different abilities and, and maybe even you know with sort of uh, 
you know, physical, mental limitations themselves can enjoy these experiences. And that's obviously a good thing. Um, but also when it comes down to play style, you know, I think uh, some of the games that I've seen uh, have presented these as, you know, I'm here for the story, I'm here for a challenge, I'm here for the action, I'm here for a balance. And I think that's a really good way of looking at things and uh, certainly something I'll be taking forward. I mean, as someone who predominantly is here for the story, um, and it doesn't need to be you know, an Oscar-worthy, uh, something like Wolfenstein, I think the, the story there was just really good fun, really stupid, absolutely outrageous. Uh, but, you know, I'm so glad I got to see it through. And, um, yeah, I suppose if there's anything coming off this uh, that I would want to share with anyone listening is... You know, don't be afraid to, to play a game your way and just have fun with it. It feels like to me, uh, you know, if you're if you're playing games for a challenge, that's you know that's great. I'm not arguing against that by any means. Um, but uh, if you're playing games for fun, and certainly if you're enjoying a game but but end up not completing it or not you know getting the most out of it because uh of the difficulty then um you know there's really no uh there's no harm in in switching that difficulty level uh, which is kind of interesting because the second game i've been playing recently is then alien isolation um and um it's it's a really i just thought it's been a a really yeah interesting experience um so i should say i haven't i'm nowhere near completing it and i pretty sure that I'm going to stop playing fairly soon. Uh, if not, I have already stopped playing. Um, and that's again because of the difficulty. I mean, this this game, I think they, in this case, by design, uh, and only works because it's so damn hard. You know, a lot has been said. It's a, obviously a, a, a very old game now. So uh, I'm sure you'll have either come across it or read about it yourselves. But, uh, you know, it's the whole game, the whole premise is, is structured around the suspense of uh, being stalked by a much stronger foe. So, you know, you're, uh, you're Alan Ripley's uh, daughter, Amanda, kind of making your way around uh, an abandoned space station, classic uh, setup, similar to the, the original Alien, uh, and you are stalked by the Alien. And, um, you know, you, you're very, you're not able to handle yourself in terms of your uh your sort of weaponry or anything like that so it's it's nothing like i mean talk about your contrast with wolfenstein uh it is nothing like that game in terms of the gameplay um but brilliant brilliant tension and just such a rush playing that game um from fear uh i don't think i've ever been as scared in a game as playing alien isolation um and for a, a for a while that was really really good fun um i was raving about it um and um, really really enjoying it and then what struck me and i thought it was interesting which is why i wanted to talk about it um was that i stopped playing or rather every time i came to jump back in i just i usually found something i'd prefer to do um and part of that was uh you know i i, I love uh, the Alien franchise, I really appreciate what they're doing in that game. I think it's really clever and um, really well done. Um, I'm just not sure I want to spend my time hiding in cupboards uh, or under tables or, you know, sneaking about quite so much. I've never been a massive stealth fan, um, so maybe it's a lack of patience. Um, I really want to see where the story goes. Uh, but to me, this is a game where I can't remember if I even can change the difficulty partway through now. Um, but, you know, I've been uh, I've been stalked by the alien. I've uh, managed to temporarily outwit it uh, at least a few times. Um, <laughs> very temporarily in some cases. Uh, and really, more than anything else, I've just enjoyed the threat of the alien being there. Uh, you know, I, I told the story to, to a friend of mine I was talking about how I was playing. And um, I probably spent about five minutes creeping through this room to discover that it was totally empty. Uh, and I think that's really the only, uh, you could only get that experience 
with the genuine threat of the alien so with the difficulty that that game possesses um but yeah as i say from my point of view um if that uh if that game was uh so i, I had a quick look and, and saw uh that there is a lot of that game to play so um you know i'm nowhere near the end uh in fact i don't think i'm even at the mid midpoint yet um and just the prospect of of uh, more sneaking about and presumably uh, fairly similar um, scenarios. Um, I just feel like I want to move on. There's the stuff on my list that I really want to get to. Uh, and uh, I did buy uh, Isolation. I paid money for it. It wasn't just in, I think it is in Game Pass at the moment, but I've certainly owned it for quite a while uh, digitally. So you know, it will be there to go back to at some point if I choose to do that. Um, but yeah, I think I'm going to stop. So I just thought it was interesting um, having played those two games, very different experiences. Uh, I've got some other stuff I really want to talk about next time that I've been playing, which is really different again. Um, but yeah, two really hard games. One where I felt... Uh, that the the difficulty was really working against what the game was trying to do uh, and so and that's Wolfenstein and so by playing on easy I actually felt like I was getting maybe not the uh, experience the designers intended because presumably they you know they played their they play tested their game and they thought that uh, that kind of normal was normal and uh, and perfectly sort of fair challenge um, but yeah, with Wolfenstein, I felt like uh, I actually I played that game that fits better with the uh, the sort of story that it was telling and the experience that I wanted from it. With Alien, I, I just I respect the hell out of that game and I'm, I'm really pleased they made it and they made it so hard. Um, and I think that it only works uh, when it's like that. And so... Uh, with that in mind, I think my time probably with Alien Isolation is is coming to an end. So that about does it for today. Uh, time to venture out into the sunshine outside. Uh, as I say, I hope you guys have been keeping safe and keeping well. Uh, interesting couple of weeks in gaming for me with uh, some more next-gen news from Microsoft uh, coming yesterday. Um, and fairly mixed, uh, mixed feelings on that one, but it's good that we're slowly getting, I think, some momentum uh, and I expect hopefully to have some more to talk about on that for next time uh, and then in terms of what I've been playing uh, yeah I just thought that was interesting to talk about difficulty in games be really interested to get your thoughts on that um, and next time uh, I say I've been playing a couple of uh, adventure games and um, uh, episodic games recently as well so uh, next time we get together I will be chatting about that um, but for now, that's me. I am Giles Nicholson. I'm Giles Went West on Twitter, Xbox Live and PlayStation Network. And I will talk to you soon.